I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 38. I will lead you along, studying Doctrine and Covenants, section 77 through 80. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come follow me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Alrighty, I have my little helper here with me who may or may not cause disruptions. Oh, and he's going to burp right into the mic. So that's nice. (laughs) So he may cause disruptions. Let's just go with that. So let's talk about the nature of God and Christ. One of the things I noticed in these sections of the Doctrine and Covenants was Christ doesn't sugarcoat things. Um, He speaks with love always, but he speaks the truth also always. Um, We can see this in Doctrine and Covenants section 78 verses 10 through 14. There's just a couple of parts that I want to read from here. He says, organize yourselves by a bond or everlasting covenant that cannot be broken. Right? Then he says, and he who breaketh it shall be delivered over to the bufferings of Satan until the day of redemption. He goes on to say, this is the preparation wherewith I prepare you, whereby you may accomplish the commandments which are given you. And it got me thinking about how out of context, if you didn't understand the Lord, if you didn't understand Christ and his mission, you could be like, why would he tell us that he loves us so much? And then if we break our bond, we break the, these, um, ever, this everlasting covenant, if we break this, then we're going to be delivered over to the bufferings of Satan. If he loved us, he wouldn't do that. And I don't think that it is like, well, you better do this or else you're just going to get beat up by Satan. Um, And I don't think that it's, well, if you love me, you just listen to me. Um, Otherwise, you're going to get beat up by Satan. I think it's, I'm trying to protect you. And unless you listen to me, this is what will happen. It's kind of like when we tell our kids, um, you can't play in the street or you'll get hit by a car, right? Like, I'm not threatening to run my kids over with my car, (laughs) Um, which I think is sometimes how... The world perceives some of these scriptures, um, but, and maybe, maybe you don't get hit by a car immediately. The first time you go into the middle of the road, you know, maybe the first time you break a covenant, you don't immediately get just hammered by Satan. I think Satan's slyer than that. He knows that if he does that, then it's going to make it easier for people to follow their covenants. Right. I feel like he knows how to, whoa, baby. I feel like he knows how to play the game. Obviously, he's been playing it for longer than any of us have been alive. Um, And I feel like that's one of the things that he's really good at is he knows when to wait and how to very slowly reel us in until we're at the point where we're getting the crap kicked out of ourselves by Satan. And we're so far gone, we don't feel like there's anything we can do, even though Christ is always available to us through repentance, through the remaking of these covenants, through 
lots and lots of things that Christ is trying, lots of pain and uncomfortableness that Christ is trying to save us from by saying, listen, make these covenants because when you make these covenants, this is the preparation wherewith I prepare you that you may accomplish the commandments I've asked you to do, right? So I ask you to make these covenants because they help you um, keep other covenants, right? I feel like either way you go, whether it's breaking covenants or keeping covenants, it creates a momentum, right? And um, it's hard, not impossible, but hard to turn the other way, right? If we're consistently keeping commandments, it breaking smaller rules here and there feels big because we're, we're being really good at keeping our covenants. Um, on the other hand, if we're consistently breaking covenants, um, then it's harder to turn around and try and go back. Not impossible. Again, not impossible. Absolutely possible. With the atonement, all things are possible. Um, but it is, I can say from personal experience, much easier to stay worthy than try to reclaim that through the power of repentance. Although, once again, very possible. Um, and, and also, like I said, like I've said in previous episodes, um, repentance is a necessary process. We're all going to do it. It's not like any of us makes it through this life without having to repent for many, many things. Um, but I think the magnitude of our repentance, whether we're having to repent for, Hey, do you mind? I'm trying to do a podcast here. Thanks buddy. (laughs) Um, whether we're having to repent for, a magnitude of things versus like the daily things, if that makes any sense. Okay. So one of the other things I wanted to talk about was how sometimes I was reading through some of these verses and I feel like sometimes we're, re- we're reading what Christ and Heavenly Father have asked us to do. And it feels like kind of a lot. So like we're being asked to do kind of a lot and we can kind of see this in Doctrine and Covenants verses um, 73, or no, sorry, section 78, holy cow, (laughs) section 78, verses 17 through 19, and then also verse 22. And I feel like sometimes it feels like we're being asked to do all these things. And it's like, oh my gosh, why are they asking me to do all these hard things? And it's because the promises are so huge. Like they're also promising above and beyond here, right? Um, And I kind of think about it like when my husband and I ask our kids, um, our girls specifically, to clean their rooms. Um, The girls will be like, it's so hard. It's so big. We can't do it. And what we're asking them to do feels like this massive, huge, impossible task, right? Because they see the giant mess. They see all the clothes on the floors, on the floor and all of the dress up clothes and all of their Barbie things that they were supposed to leave downstairs, but snuck upstairs. And they see, you know, all of these pieces of paper that they've collected because they're little pack rats. (laughs) They see all the different things. Um, and I look in the room and I'm like, it's completely clean upable. It's there. There's no hoarders happening here. There's no 
you know, dead animals that were dragging out of here. There's, it doesn't stink. It's not gross. It's just cluttered and kind of messy. Let's pick up. And when we start to break it down for them, okay, let's start with the garbage. We'll pick that up first. Okay, now we let's clean up the dirty clothes. Okay, let's put away the clean clothes. Let's, you know, and we break it down for them and then suddenly it's very possible and they're able to do it and then they're very proud of themselves for being able to do it. Now, would they experience being very proud of themselves for having accomplished the massive, huge undertaking of cleaning up their rooms if I just went in there and did it for them? Because I'm perfectly capable of going in and cleaning up their rooms for them, right? It'll take me a little bit, but... I can do it. Um, but it's important that they learn this. Right. And I feel like that's kind of how it is with heavenly father, where he's looking at the tasks that he's asked us to do. And he's like, they're really, they're really not that big of things. Um, they just feel really big because you're looking at all of them as one big thing. Like you have to do all the things every single day, all day long. And yeah, that feels like a lot, but we don't have to do all the things all day long, every single day, we just want to make sure we get as many things done as we can. So maybe we start with picking up our clean clothes first. Maybe we start with getting in the habit of saying regular prayers, say like saying good prayers, right? Where we're developing that um, relationship with our heavenly father. Um, you know, breaking it. And I think that's the most important thing is breaking it down into bite-sized chunks that feel easy and manageable because much like me asking my kids, amen, brother. Um, much like my me asking my kids to clean their room. Um, what heavenly father is asking us to do is not big and impossible. It just feels like a lot because we're overwhelmed with some of the busyness that we have in the world. Like with these tiny people that demand our constant unwavering attention. Huh, buddy? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Okay. I went to see if my husband could take him, but I think he's still putting kids down for bed. So let's talk about the phrase, it mattereth not. And we see this in Doctrine and Covenants section 80, verses 3, or verse 3, and then I'm also going to read verse 4. Um, it says, Wherefore go ye and preach my gospel, whether to the north or to the south or to the east or to the west, west, it mattereth not, for ye cannot go amiss. Therefore, oof, therefore declare the things which ye have heard and verily believe and know to be true. Okay. Um, in Call to the Work um, by David E. Bednar from the April 2017 General Conference, he says, um, because the work of preaching the gospel is the Lord's work. He inspires, guides, and directs us. And directs, hold on. I'm trying to read and bounce a baby at the same time. My brain is being like, you're asking me to do too many things. Okay. He inspires, guides, and directs his authorized servants. As missionaries strive to be ever more worthy and capable instruments in his hands and do their best to fulfill faithful duties, then with his help they cannot go amiss wherever they serve. Um, perhaps one of the lessons the Savior is teaching us in this revelation is that an assignment to labor in a specific place is essential and important, but secondary to the call to the work. Now, I will also add that he is talking specifically 
about full-time missionaries um, in this particular talk, but I'm, I'm going to bring it back to us, us moms who are not full-time missionaries, um, but are moms. Okay. <laughs> so he goes on to say, when a missionary is reassigned to a different field of labor, the process is precisely the same as for the initial assignment. Members of the Quorum of the Twelve seek inspiration and guidance in making all such reassignments. And this actually got me thinking. So our field of labor, if you will, um, as regular members, basically not full-time missionaries, right? Um, our fields of labor are our callings. And it got me thinking, it mattereth not where we labor, it mattereth that we labor. Um, we're called to serve. Sometimes that means in a presidency, sometimes it means as a teacher, sometimes it means it's in Relief Society, sometimes it means it's in nursery. It mattereth not where, it mattereth that we serve, right? Um, and then there's a little section in Elder Bednar's talk where he talks about meeting with um somebody after giving a talk at something and the guy comes up to him and he's just thanking him for his talk. And he said, I was called to the work, not to a place. He basically shares an experience where he ended up not going to his original place of, he didn't go, he got, got called to point A and ended up serving in place B because he couldn't get his visa in time. And he always felt really guilty about that for years. And hit president um, Bednar's talk. Elder Bednar's talk kind of cleared that up for him. Um, and so it got me thinking about how we serve and where we serve. And there, I'm not going to lie. I'm not one of these people who I'm like, oh, I just love serving anywhere. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I am very human. I have my preference of callings. I love teaching. I especially love teaching the adult classes. I like teaching um, the youth, the young women's was really one of my favorite callings. Um, I love teaching in Relief Society. I love being a gospel doctrine teacher. I've done that as well. I do not like primary. Not even a little bit. Um, I jokingly told my bishopric um, members every time they would come to talk to me, my previous calling to this one was in the young women's, and I always told them, Every time they're like, hey, can we talk to you? I'm like, as long as it's not to release me and call me to primary, sure. If it's to call, release me and call me to primary, I'm running away. <laughs> and so then when they did approach me and say that they wanted to call me to primary, I'm not going to lie. Because I'd always said, if they call me to primary, I'm saying no. I'm just going to say no. I'm not going to do it. And I remember feeling very distinctly that this is what I needed to do. And so when the calling came that I was going to be asked to teach in primary, I just made a request that I wasn't going to be in either of my girls' classes um, because I didn't think it would be beneficial for them to have me in there. And I knew it would not be beneficial for me to have me in there. Um, and so that request was respected. I was put in with the older classes. Um But it's still a struggle for me. It's still really hard for me to be in primary because I sometimes just kind of feels like babysitting, um, especially with COVID. Um, but we're kind of getting back to a more normal um, routine where we actually will be able to split, teach classes. And so that'll be fun. Um, but I think 
I've been really praying and really trying to become like at peace with where I've been called for right now and know that this is my field of labor for right now. It hopefully won't be my field of labor for forever, but I've always heard that the trick to getting released from a calling is to like it. Um, so maybe I just need to learn to like primary and then I'll get, I'll get out of it. Um, but I think that it's important to to note that this was something I was really struggling with. And as I was reading this, that's when these thoughts kind of came to me that it's not necessarily, sometimes we're going to get called to fields of labor that we love, right? I always told my husband, I never served a mission and I would have loved to go somewhere like New Zealand or England or Scotland or Australia or, you know, any, literally anywhere out of the United States would have been so cool for like a different language would have been super fun. Um, and I'm like, and I'm pretty sure had I served a mission, I would have gotten called English speaking to like Nebraska, because that would be the place where I'd be like, I don't want to go there. <laughs> um, because there's sometimes we're going to get called to fields of labor that we love, that we're going to be so excited about that. We're going to just wake up every Sunday morning so stoked to go do our calling. And then there are going to be times that we're asked to serve in fields of labor that we don't love so much. And I think that we're going to move into application here. I think the important thing is to serve, is to try to serve in the fields that we love and in the fields that we don't like quite as much in the same way, because it doesn't matter where you serve, it matters that you serve. Um, and when you're doing the work that Heavenly Father has called you to, you cannot go amiss. Um, and I think sometimes, especially, I know some people struggle with being called to be like the gospel doctrine teacher. They don't feel like they know enough. And this is one thing that I want to just kind of leave you with is, um, verse four of, um, section 80. He says, therefore declare the things which ye have heard and verily believe and know to be true. So I think that that's important to note. We don't have to know every single thing about the gospel. We don't have to know every single obscure, um, moment of church history to, preach the gospel, whether it is in our callings, whether it's in our homes, whether it's at our workplace or out and about with our friends or our family. Um, we just have to speak what we know to be true. And I know that Heavenly Father lives. I know that my Savior lives. I know that they love me. I know that they love you. And I know that they would have created this incredible, beautiful world that we live in even if it was just for you, even if it was just for me, if it was for one person, all of it still would have gone down because we are that important to them. Um, and I just want to leave you with that and I will talk to you next week.